Good morning. Happy Easter. Well, you said happy Easter to him. What's wrong with me? Good morning and happy Easter. Thank you. Hey, my name is Doug Holcomb. I'm the senior pastor here at Live Oak. If we've never met before, I'd love to meet you. Uh, I tell you one thing uh, I will tell you about me is I love this time of year as a sports fan. And you may not be a sports fan, but let me tell you why I love it. And really the last uh, three weeks have been pretty awesome for me. Uh, A couple weeks ago, uh, well, actually, you know, more than that, March Madness started. I love March Madness every year. I enjoy, I do a bracket. It never does well, but I do it anyway. But this year was probably the most meaningful March Madness ever because as a Red Raider, Texas Tech did so well, and it made it so fun to actually have my bracket be lying in a, in a heap and have no significance, but Texas Tech do so well. It was the most meaningful March Madness ever for me, and I loved it. It was great. That same week, when they played in the Final Four game and the championship game, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs started. And I'm a huge hockey fan. So that was great, all in the same week. And in the same week, it was the Masters Golf Tournament. I had a chance one year to go to the Masters. It's one of my sports, little sports hearts highlights ever. I loved it. It was great. And I watch it every year. Of course, this year, the big story was Tiger Woods, who hadn't won a Major in 11 years, hadn't won the Masters in 14, had off the, off, off the field, off the ice, off the course issues in life. He, 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 made, he had some health issues, he had some golf issues, he had some family issues, like everything, and no one expected him to come back. And then the headline reads, Tiger completes historic comeback. And the thing is, like whenever in sports we see a comeback, there's something in it that we kind of like, Right? Like, it's the basis of a lot of movies about sports. We love a good comeback story. Why is that? I think it's because deep down, we all know at some point, we need a comeback. We know at some point, we're going to be out of it, and we need to know that we can come back. And so I think that's why our, those stories kind of grip us so much. Maybe you're in a place in life where you need a comeback. It could be in, a, in your relationship world with your marriage, with your kids, with your parents. It could be in your friendships. It could be you've made a bad choice and you've got to come back. It could be that somebody else made a bad choice and it impacted you and you've got to come back because of somebody else's bad choice. It could be with your finances. It could be with your health. It could be with your faith. But the thing is, we love a good comeback story. Several years ago, actually in 2001, Sports Illustrated uh, did a story about the comeback of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And they uh, play the New York Yankees in the World Series, and they come back from a slump to defeat the New York Yankees in the last inning of the final game. And in that issue, it started the editors thinking about, not the sports comebacks, but in life, in life, in history, what are the greatest comebacks? And they did this little kind of editorial, little box thing that was kind of subtly in there. And it's, it, it may be hard to read because it was such a small little thing. But they come up with these bouncing back, big time, all time comebacks in history. And it included everything like celebrities like Elvis Presley and John Travolta, who came back when people thought their career was over. Fashion items like go-go boots in the year 2000. Uh, th- people from history like Harry Truman, who came back in his election. Humanity coming back from the Black Death. Muhammad Ali, all these things. But what was amazing is what they said was the number one comeback of all time. And it said this, Jesus Christ, 33 AD, 
defies the critics, and stuns the Romans with his resurrection. Isn't that amazing? What's more surprising to you? That Sports Illustrated would say, Jesus Christ is the most historic comeback in history. Or what's more surprising that I, as a pastor, would say, it's really not. I mean, it's not. It's not the greatest comeback in history. He called his shot, right? Like he said, I'm going to do this. And if he is who he says he is, we should have expected it. But he called his shot. Like he said, I'm coming back. It says this in Matthew, uh, the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is one of the disciples. He heard this from Jesus himself, and it just didn't click. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. And to that they heard, bad idea, that will not go well for you there. It's like, no, it's okay. I'm going to suffer many things. They go, why would you go then? The hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must, Jesus, be killed and on the third day be raised to life. He called his shot. And then actually he's, he's crucified. He's in the tomb on Sunday morning. They go back because they had to kind of wait because of the Sabbath day to kind of really kind of treat the body and have it prepared for burial. So they go back expecting to find Jesus dead and he's not there. Matthew 28. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen. Just as he said. Remember, he called his shot. He said he was going to do this. And they said, come and see the place where he lay. Used to lay, not here, gone. It's not the greatest, greatest comeback in history. He called his shot. But it is the most significant event in history. And just like I'm a sports fan, I'm also a history fan. I love history. And the way you ask about what's the significance of any historical event in history or in your life is you ask this question. What would happen if you removed that event from the timeline of history? I'll give you some examples. On Friday, we celebrated the anniversary of the first shots fired at the Battle of Lexington in the American Revolution. Of course, the Americans, talk about a comeback story, would come back and surprise, kind of an upset, the British. Winning their independence. Winning our independence. If you're an American, that event has significance for you. If you remove it from the timeline of history, it goes different for us. I mean, we're having tea time every day, right? Not the golf, but the English tea. Like, no, we don't have to do that anymore because we want our independence. Of course, it was bigger than that for us as Americans. We want our freedom. But it also had rippling events on the whole world. It it, it impacted so many places because they said, you don't just have to be a colony, you could be a nation. And suddenly this newfound impact on the world was felt. Take the, uh, another date in history, June 6, 1944. If you remove that from the timeline of history, what would the impact be? Of course, on that day, English, American, and Canadian and others forces landed on Normandy Beach, creating a big push and a surge to get to Germany to overthrow the Nazis. And if you take D-Day out of the timeline of history, I don't think that war ends the way it did. How would that impact the world? You know the significance of an event if you take it from the timeline of history. Now, my hometown is Dallas, Texas. And one of the most significant events in the timeline of the history of Dallas, Texas was November 22nd, uh, 
1963. And on November 22nd, 1963, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. It's one of the dark days in my hometown's history. I can't believe they left the school, board, school book depository standing because it's a monument to one of the great tragedies that they probably want to forget. Of course, as a conspiracy theorist, I don't think the shots came from there, so maybe that's why they left standing. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm a conspiracy theorist still. But if you take that event out of the timeline of history, it has impacts on the next decade of politics globally, including the Vietnam War. There's a lot of things. And so you look at these different events and you think, what if you took that out of the timeline of history? You could do that with your life. What if I took this event out of the timeline of my life? Well, if you took the resurrection of Jesus out of the timeline of history, it has the most significant impact. The resurrection of Jesus was not the greatest comeback of all time, but it is the most significant event in all of history. It was a game changer. A game changer means it's a person, an idea, or a thing that changes the outcome. It changes the way things are developing. And one of Jesus' early followers, the Apostle Paul, said the resurrection of Jesus is the ultimate game changer, the most significant event in history. He says it this way in 1 Corinthians 15. He's writing to a church, a group of people, and he says, for what I received, I passed on to you as first importance. Like this, this is most important, most significant event. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Like he says, this is the most significant event, first importance. Why? Why is it so important? What difference does it make? Again, apply the timeline event. If you take it out of the timeline of history, what impact does it have on history and on, on me? Verse 14, he says this. If Christ has not been raised, so here's the impact if you take it out of the timeline. Our preaching is useless. Now, my preaching may be considered a lot of things. I think it's useful. If nothing else, you might get some good sleep here in the next 15 minutes. But just, it's not just my pre- our preaching, it's, and so is your faith. Your faith is useless if you take the t- out of the timeline of history the resurrection of Jesus. And if Christ has not been raised, next verse, your faith is futile pointless. It doesn't matter because you're still in your sins. We're still in big trouble. And then here's the implication it has for those of us who have lost loved ones that we believe we're going to see again one day. Then those of us who have, those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. They're just gone. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, if it only matters today, if it's just optimism, if it's just the power of positive thinking, We are of all people most to be pitied. If you take the resurrection of Jesus out of the timeline of history, it's not good. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Paul wasn't there when it happened. He heard about it. He saw the impact of it. And when he recognized and put his faith in a risen Jesus, it changed his life dramatically. If this event is removed from the timeline of history, we're in big trouble. We have no hope. 
the resurrection is not the greatest comeback in history. But it makes possible the comeback of anybody, of any situation, when Christ is at the center of it. If Jesus is still in the tomb, it's game over. But if the tomb is empty, this changes everything. It's the ultimate game changer. The question is, has it changed you? Because anybody who is confronted with that reality, it changed them dramatically. And one of the primary things it brought to their life was hope. That hope is possible. That hope emerges, that hope shows up when you center your life on the resurrected Christ. There was a day in the timeline of history where Jesus was in a tomb, dead, and he walked out, just like he said he would, just like he promised. Was there a day in the timeline of your history where you said yes to Jesus and said, my hope is in him? Not in that my circumstances work out, not in myself, but in him. To be honest, some of us need our game to change. We need a game changer. We're in a place in life where we're wondering how this is going to turn out. We're wondering if we step too far or someone is too far gone or if we're too far lost. Some of us need our game to change and the way it starts is by saying yes to Jesus. And inviting men to not just our present reality, but our eternal destiny. Inviting men to be the center of our lives. And I want to invite you to look at the person of Jesus. The one who formerly used to occupy a tomb outside of Jerusalem. And now wants to occupy your life. And be at the center of it. To be your forgiver and leader. See, the resurrection has major implications for us. It gives hope to every Situation, it impacts our now and our eternity. In a word, this event in history gives hope, even in the most useless, or excuse me, hopeless situations that are there. Hope is possible for anyone, and hope is possible for anything when Jesus is involved. And one of Jesus' first disciples who was there that Sunday, who, who went in the tomb and did not believe when they said, hey, he's not here. He said, I've got to see it for myself. And he went in and he was one of the people that heard Jesus saying, I'm going to rise three days. I'm going to rise. I'm coming back. And the, none of them were expecting it, even though Jesus had promised it. So he shows up there and he sees not first he sees an empty tomb, but later on he sees a risen Jesus and it changes everything. It changes his outlook on life. It changes his faith. It answers his questions. Because at this point, I think he thought that everything was gone. And suddenly, everything had hope. It changed this guy named Peter, who was there and he lived differently from that day forward. And here's why he did it and how we can too. First Peter, it says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his, in God's great mercy for us. He has given us new birth into a living hope. 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What's interesting about the first followers of Jesus is they didn't go around talking about what Jesus taught. They, talk about, they talked about the fact that Jesus was dead and is now alive. And they said because of that, pay attention, pay attention to what he taught. But their starting place for hope was an empty tomb. It was a risen Jesus. And when Jesus gets involved, he says it's a birth, it's a new life into a living hope. Hope is alive. And the resurrection is not the greatest comeback. But it makes possible to come back for each and every one of us. Where do you need a comeback? Where do you need hope? I have several friends right now that are going through a really tough situation. One of them in the last decade, he's lost his mom. She passed away. More recently, his dad died. And even more recently, because of his health, he had to have one of his legs amputated. And now he's suffering under what probably not more than a few of us in this room have suffered at different times. He suffers under this huge weight of depression. And for him, like, I want him to know like, a comeback is possible because there's hope in Jesus. Because sometimes you get in those spots and you just need to know that a comeback's possible. I have another friend who's um, dealing with breast cancer and facing a pretty significant surgery this week. I want her to know that hope is possible. I don't know your situation, and you don't know mine. But even without knowing your situation, what I can promise you, and the promise I keep trying to remind myself of, is hope is possible. If you look past your circumstance and look to the person of Jesus, who makes possible the greatest comeback of them all, See, Jesus is the living hope. Nobody else and nothing else can claim to be our living hope. The question is, is Jesus your living hope? Is he the person that you put your hope and faith in? Because what he does is he makes it possible to live lives of hope each and every day in every situation, even when the situation challenges you by saying hope is not possible for you. Jesus steps in and says, no, because I am your living hope, hope is always possible. So the question I want to ask you is, what if hope is more than just wishful thinking? I I think we have a hard time understanding what hope is. I think sometimes we think hope is like, boy, I hope my team wins. But it's bigger than that. Sometimes I think we think hope is just being optimistic. I don't think that's what hope is. I think hope, sometimes we think hope is just a good attitude of, well, I'm just going to turn that frown upside down. I don't think that's what hope is. And I'll be quite honest, hope trying to define it at times Feels like it's trying, you're trying to pin down jello. It, 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 it seems to kind of be elusive. And I think it's because our circumstances are always challenging this idea that hope is possible. 
I think hope is a cousin of faith. I think they're closely related. And hope is more of a certainty rather than I hope. I hope it turns out. It's more than wishful thinking. But as we kind of talked about this idea of hope, one of the decisions that I made and we made is I think we need to talk about hope for more than a couple of weeks because one, hope is a hard concept sometimes to wrap your head around but also because we know that there's a lot of people in our lives that need hope. Where do you need hope in your life? I want to invite you, coming up, uh, starting, this week, starting this week and through the next three weeks, we're going to do three services, but we're only going to do the series for four. We're going to talk about this idea of hope and this idea of living hope. If Jesus is our living hope, we want to shift from here, here on out throughout the series. I've talked about what does it look like to be living hope each and every day. But today, before we get into that idea, we want to just focus on this idea that what we celebrate today is that Jesus is our living hope. Is he your living hope? I'm going to invite the band to come up. The way we're going to close the service today is they're going to uh, play a song and reprise a song we sang earlier. And what I want to challenge you to do is think about the words of this song to be your prayer. Can you pray this? Can you focus on that? And I want to invite you to join us for the next four weeks, for three services for the next three weeks. But we're going to talk about living hope. Hope is a powerful thing. You ever seen the movie Shawshank Redemption? I mean, it's one of the main themes of the movie. And I love at the end as he talks about hope. And he says, I hope to see my friend again. I hope the waters of the the ocean are as blue as I have it in my mind. And at the end, he just says, I hope. Do you hope these days? The lack of hope can bring deep despair, but the presence of hope is a game changer. What if What if, what if there's more to hope than just wishful thinking? How do you navigate those dark moments of life with hope? Those moments of doubt, those moments of despair and discouragement. And what does it practically look like to live every day with hope? I really want to invite you not just to join us for the next three or four weeks, um, as we do this series, but I want to invite you to think about someone in your life that needs hope. And it might be that you invite them to join you or invite them to attend here for the next four weeks. Or you might say, hey, go watch this message. Or you might take notes and have a conversation with them about hope. But we live in a world that desperately needs hope. Who do you know that needs hope? Invite them. And maybe it's you that needs hope. Please be here. And my prayer for you today and throughout this series is based on Romans 15, 13. This is what I'm praying for you. And if, and if you can think in your life, where is it you need hope? Or maybe it's someone in your life that you want hope for. This is how I'm praying for you and them today and throughout this series. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the great comeback in history isn't the resurrection of Jesus. It's what the resurrection of Jesus can do for us. That when he 
who no longer occupies the tomb, occupies our lives. We overflow with hope because of his presence in our life. I'd like to invite you to stand. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray for you. Go ahead and stand. And I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing this song as a closing prayer. Saying that we agree that Jesus is our living hope. Even if it's hard for you, if you say, I just I want to put my hope in Jesus to be my living hope. Let the words of this song be your prayer. But let me pray for us. God, thanks that you love us. You love us enough to show up on a cross to pay the penalty of our sins. And you did it in the most graphic, horrific, strenuous, stressful, humiliating way possible through the torture before and on the cross. Thank you that the blood of Jesus pays the penalty for my sin that when I put my trust in you, the living hope, my life can be filled with hope. Father, I do pray that you would occupy our lives and that we would overflow with hope and we look as the first followers of Jesus did to you our living hope and we ask you to be that for us our living hope and we ask you to help us be living hope each and every day because of what you've done for us thank you for the time on the timeline of history there was a day where you walked out of the tomb. And I pray that we would have the courage to have a timeline in the day of our history. We put all our hope, our trust, our faith in you, Jesus, our living hope. Amen. Hey, we're going to sing this song together and then you'll be dismissed.